Welcome one and all to episode 322 of Signals from Mars. I'm your host, Victor. And here we go with another hour one episode with my patrons. We're going to be touching on a lot of different hot topics, hot button topics related to hard rock and metal. Join us now. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So... For today's episode, we'll be talking about Ticketmaster, Live Nation, hedge funds becoming a thing within the concert and festival community, Ozzy Osbourne retiring from touring, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, having Iron Maiden, Rage Against Machine, and Soundgarden on their nominations. And we also discussed the new L.A. Guns tracks. To all of those that are listening to this episode and want to join us on future episodes to discuss any of these topics or any topics that we talk about on on a weekly basis, become involved in the, for example, this month's 1984 special. Become a patron. You could do so for as little as $2 a month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash signals from Mars and you'll find out all of the great information where you can follow or where you could become a patron. I'm opening one thing and I'm doing something else and I really shouldn't be doing that. But you can also go to signalsfrommars.com to follow and share the episodes and follow us on social media. Uh, for example, we're on a lot of great platforms. And even though there was a snafu earlier this week, <laughs> we're trying to fix that. You can follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, Telegram, and Mastodon. If you want to follow the podcast, it's on all of your major podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, iHeart, Pandora, Stitcher, Player FM, Ghana, GeoSavan, Deezer, Podcast Index, Podchaser, Blueberry, or you could just hook up to the RSS feed. And let's see if you actually want to watch the live show. You could do so on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, or Telegram, actually. There's a bunch of other platforms as well, but they're not as known. And I need to add them back to the site. Yeah, there you go. I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Not only my patrons that are here for this episode, but also you people that are listening to the episode itself. I do want to give a quick shout out to my patrons and let's go from oldest to newest. And this is technically 
the oldest. So uh, Steven Saylor, who joined in May of 2019, I didn't really get anything going until a year later, which is when Steve Hoker joined. Steve Hoker, uh, Jeremy Weltman, and Mike Jones all joined in October of 2020. Uh, we have Brad Dahl, who joined on January 26, 2021. So he's been here for two years. Metal Dentist and Chris Vaglio from the... It was so much easier when it was the Chris and Amanda show. Um, Song Swap Showdown. Name of the podcast now. Both joined Days Apart in May. The uh, New Jersey contingency there. About a week later, Jose from Connecticut joined. About a month later, Metal Dan. Later that month, or actually a month from there, Johan in July of 2021. Ed Ferguson joined in December of 2021. Anthony Mackey joined a little over a year ago. Gene Eugene DX joined over the past summer. Anthony Espin joined in the fall, as did uh, Chris from Despel Geek. And Sean Richmond just joined us roughly a month ago. So thank you all of you guys for being supporters, for being patrons. Yes, this is a long-winded intro for all of this, but um, I've been asked, why do you thank these people or why do you list them off on a weekly basis? And yeah, they deserve thanks for supporting what I do on this show, for believing what I do on this show, for being a part of all the other shows that I do, like Trivia Tuesday. They're usually the guests that are in there answering all the questions. So, yeah, I got to thank you guys for being such loyal supporters. <sighs> Without your support, I wouldn't be able to do the live streams. I wouldn't be able to do the album of the week. Um, a lot of the content that I bring to you guys uh, wouldn't be possible without the patrons. And that's no bullshit at all. Um, so I thank each and every one of you for your support. If you're on the fence with Patreon, outside of the hour one shows and the patron specials that we vote on, we do have, like I said, the album of the week. We have the Victor M. Ruiz podcast as well, which goes out on a weekly basis. And we have daily videos for you guys to comment on questions that I post on Mondays. What have you been into on Sundays? And it's a lot of great quality music discussion on there. No trolling bullshit at all. It's a lot of fun. So uh, no Trivia Tuesday episode this week. Because Trivia Tuesday didn't work on Twitch and I had to pull an audible and just read questions out and write down on a piece of paper who answered them correctly and fastest and so on and so forth. Anyway, thanks for joining us and here we go. Welcome one and all to the... February 3rd edition of the Signals from Mars live stream. I'm your host, Victor, and we are spanning the globe once again like Wild War. Wild. Screw it. <laughs> Wide world of sports. 
<laughs> Wide world of metal. Why? That's what my next thing was going to be, but I stumbled <laughs> and rolled downhill with that one. So, uh, yes. The agony at the feet right there. Yeah. We have Mr. Patron's pick, Jeremy Weltman. We have Metal Dan out in California. We have Johan in Sweden. And we have Brad Dahl in the deserts of Utah. The frosty so, deserts of Utah. Yes. Frosty deserts of of Utah. So awesome. We have a few uh, topics to discuss. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, we pride ourselves in offering a quality music discussion show. I think if anyone listens to the discussions that we have, whether we agree or not with each other, the discussions are always good. The discussions are always something that I think you can take something away and think about what, what we've discussed. Maybe we'll turn you on to some music. Maybe we'll let you know that something is taking place. You know, maybe we do absolutely nothing for you. But uh, in any event, we all have fun hooking up on Friday nights and, and talking to one another. Friday nights, and for you, Brad, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and and for metal dan it's one right or am i screwing that up no for for dan it's it's uh nine hours difference 11 two and for brad it's three okay never mind all right fumbling and bumbling again anyway uh real quick i forgot to mention during my patreon podcast because i'm i'm sure that most of you will probably listen to the new winery dogs which came out today uh, the song Pharaoh, listen to it and then listen to Kisses Under the Gun. And let me know if you guys think that the song sounds similar. So do that this weekend. Maybe you guys will think that I'm absolutely crazy, but I think the verse sounds a hell of a lot like Kisses Under the Gun. Of course, not so much, but anyway. You could still right. be crazy, though. W what's that? You could still be crazy, though. I could still be crazy regardless. You're right. Um, so first topic of the night, I listened to a podcast, a national news um, outlet, and they were talking about Ticketmaster, Live Nation, um, mm. and a bunch of different things ticket-related. And me and Jeremy were actually talking about this last night, and Jeremy said, hold it. Let's save it for tomorrow's show. So that's what what we're doing here. So there's a few things that I want to touch upon here. First off, the the podcast that I listened to talked about how ticket prices have just jumped in a ridiculous manner for a lot of artists that are coming around and touring here in Spain. They brought up uh, Madonna. They brought up Bruce Springsteen, and they brought up Rod Stewart. And the thing that they were talking about was how, for example, Rod Stewart, the cheapest ticket is 150 euros. So that's roughly uh, $160, let's say. Um, and what they're saying, what the discussion was, was that Rod Stewart, for example, here in Spain, hasn't been big in 30 years. 
So how can you command that amount of money for nosebleed seats in, in an arena that seats uh, 18,000 people, I think? Yeah. So, um, and then they brought up the fact that Springsteen, for example, the tickets are 125, 300, and, and 1,200. Um, Madonna's kind of similar with that. So the first thing that they talked about, they mentioned, okay, we get that the pandemic armed a lot of these acts, but a band who a lot of times likes to thank their audience for, you know, being there, providing them with the lifestyles that they live, that they live. Are they doing their fans wrong by charging these insane amount of money for, for tickets? Uh, Jeremy, since we kind of started talking about this yesterday and you brought up Rod Stewart, which coincidentally mm. they talked about during this episode, what's what's your take on this? Yeah, well, there's probably quite a lot of aspects to this, and I, I guess the other guys are going to chime in with some of the other things. But, I mean, obviously the cost of touring has gone shooting through the roof. We know about the cost of um, of transport, which is uh, a big thing. Um, you know, just putting on a show nowadays is going to cost a hell of a lot of money. And there's, um, you know, there's a lot to these shows as well. If you take Rod Stewart as an example, um, he's got, you know, 20-odd people on stage with him. He's got his band. He's got his backing singers. He's got you know various people playing flutes and violins and mandolins and whatever um and so there's a hell of a lot to it and they all need paying uh you know and it's a it's a huge show on the other side of it you know the paying public uh can't afford the rises you know the, it's going up and up it's uh, appealing to the middle classes the upper classes who can afford to pay and those who who can't you know they're, they're getting pushed out all the time um so it's a tricky problem um I think it's gone up too much, but then inflation's gone up a huge amount, as we know, around the world. Um, and so, it, you know, what can you say? Unless you get on a promoter and they explain and break down all the costs and we find out, you know, how much profit they're making out of it all, um, we'll know more about it. But, you know, some of these big stars are obviously going to take a huge cut. Um, they, they must have, you know, uh, said in advance what they're going to play per show and then they work the ticket price around that depending on all the costs um but you know it's, get, it's getting a bit ridiculous and it makes you want to go and see smaller acts yeah and one of the things that you brought up they mentioned how uh people's wages haven't gone up the same way that you know the ticket prices have gone up or how inflation has gone up and for a lot of people you have to choose between feeding your family and getting tickets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I used to go and see Rod Stewart quite often because my wife is a big, big fan of him, and um, we, we've now stopped going. Um, we, you know, we've been on all of his major tours, um, and the prices have just gone up and up. And eventually, we just said, you know, it's just getting ridiculous now. We, we don't want to go. Yeah. The other thing too is he's only playing folk music. He's not even playing any of the songs that he's known for. So, you know, that's just the, the whole situation's weird. Dan, what, what's your take on this? Well, when Jerry, Jeremy said it makes you want to see smaller acts, that's my take on it. So thankfully, Overkill is going to come around. They're going to be in Spain before here, but they're not going to be uh, charging their, 
that kind of money, they're going to they're going to charge a little bit more, but they're not going to charge that rate. And to go see Roxanne at Vamped or the Roxy or the Whiskey, they're not going to charge a huge amount. So when it comes to that, and so far Maiden hasn't done that to the fans either. Maiden still has a fan club. Maiden still uh, routes the tickets through the fan club. And so far the bots haven't gotten in. And so far the, the prices to see Maiden have been reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, 80 US, stuff like that. And those are on the floor. So so far, they haven't jerked their fans. So if they want to do that, Springsteen and whatever, then I'm just not going to go. Thankfully, I've been around enough. I've seen who I want to see. So for me, uh, it's not my problem anymore. But I think they're probably charging because of the reselling of the tickets. Yeah, Could be. Brad? Yeah, I think you forgot to add in the cost of uh, producing all those backing tracks that are being used. <laughs> Rod Stewart's really not doing rock. I mean, that's what he his, oh. his late Vegas show was uh, all all his rock songs. So I thought that's what he was taking on tour. That's interesting. All but, all folk music. It's nobody, all. Nobody, I wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't pay five dollars for that. <laughs> Good luck, Rod. Yeah, no Maggie May. If if there's a mandolin, it's it's mm. you know some uh, Danny Boy, come hither thee type lyric thing. So is, he, is Richie Blackmore joined his band or? <laughs> I don't know if those two could coexist on the same stage. Well, that would be something, wouldn't it? Um, okay, yeah. Back back to the, the original question. <laughs> Sorry go on on a tangent there um yeah yeah things are expensive man i you know uh let's see today my son uh he, he's a big fan of travis scott i don't know if you know who he is he's big in the hip-hop world he had right. that big, big festival in uh houston that uh unfortunately uh some people died yeah. and that led him to not not touring or anything for a while but he's doing the, his first show at after that We'll be here in Salt Lake uh, at the uh, M- we're having the NBA uh, All Star Game here. We're mm-hmm. hosting, so he's doing this uh, for you know because he's big with the NBA and all that at a pretty moderately sized club. Um, and tickets went on sale today, and they sold out in two minutes. Huh. Now my son was in there, and him and five of his buddies. None of his buddies got selected, but Nathan did. Could buy up to eight tickets. He bought six like a dumbass. Uh, bless his heart. He, he said, well, no, I look at the cost of them. I couldn't spend that kind of money. Couldn't spend that kind of. Uh, but Shelly, being the mom of the year that she is, she got a, she got on and she has a knack for being selected in these things. She's, she got selected. She bought eight tickets and it cost. Uh, let's, let me get the money here. So they're $153 each. This is for a club club show. Wow where he's not even billed on the bill, but he's, he's going to be there and he's going to do stuff. It's some other guy that nobody cares about that's being billed on this thing, I guess, uh, to be sneaky. $153 for the tickets, $27 for the service charge. So eight tickets was $14, $1,400. Right now on the resale sites here, they're going from $250 to $1,000 a ticket. These are all general admission. Wow. So, so yeah, Shelly's going to make some money. Because we're not, we're not going. <laughs> so so, um, two weeks ago they announced that Muse and Royal Blood were going to be playing at the local soccer stadium here on July fourth. Originally they mentioned that the tickets were going to be around sixty euros, 
And Tuesday, when the tickets went on sale, they were actually 76 euros. Mm. Um, they sold 17,000 tickets in 20 minutes, I think they said. And when I tallied the what it would cost for four of us to go was almost $300, well, around $300. And I said, you know, I'd love to go, but. Got other things to pay for right now. I unfortunately do not have Dr. Poison's pockets. Um, so un- unless things change, uh, we-, we-, we will not be going. But yeah, I would have loved to go, but we'll see what happens. That, that's the real messed up thing about this. I mean, you think about when we were kids and we wanted to go to a show. I mean, I, I know the first show I went to, I, I floor seats at the Long Beach Sports Arena, Blue Easter Cold headlining. Uh, I think it was like eight bucks and those were the expensive seats. Right. <laughs> the second show I went to was Black Sabbath at this Long Beach Sports Arena. We bought the really cheap seats. They were $4.75. And I realized that was a whole different time. Yeah. I mean, whole different, whole different world. And, but, you know, kids nowadays, I mean, it, I don't know how you, how they can afford to go to these right. things. And that's that's one of the things that I was going to bring up a little later on, but I'll throw it out there uh, before throwing on over to, to Johan. But recently on a show that I was listening to, they talked about the fact that um, the two hosts had been able to get to a lot of shows because back in the 80s and 90s, um, you had these $20 tickets. You had $9 tickets. The $20 tickets usually had one fairly known band. I mean, it wasn't a huge band, but it was somebody that you would hear on the radio. And then it was usually three or four like up and coming bands. So for $20, you were seeing, you know, two hours, three hours worth worth of music. Um, Or for $9, you were seeing one band. Now that doesn't exist. So. So much is said about streaming and downloading and this and that, but if you're charging a hundred and something dollars a ticket, you know, how are, how are kids going to afford that? Now, again, during this podcast that I was listening to, they brought up something interesting that a lot of festival tickets go on sale between September and January. Um, not only in Spain, but throughout Europe. And the main reason was because a lot of kids asked for tickets for Christmas. So, uh, you know, they, they look for that one festival show that they want to go to, that one big concert that they want to go to, and they ask for the tickets for their birthday or, or for Christmas. So that's, that, that's another thing. But it's not, you know, again, a, a cheap ticket that you can go to. Um, Johan, what's your take on all of this? Yeah, uh, I was uh, today they released uh, Megadeth tickets for Stockholm for the 30th, 30th one of July. Uh, and it was uh, for me and my son, it was, uh, let's see here. I have the tickets here. Um, Excuse me. Uh, So it's 260 euros for two Megadeth tickets. 
att i Stockholm är en I find that ex, expensive mm-hmm. uh, I will buy them of course because I can afford it but mm-hmm. I think I find it way too expensive uh, and I think this if you choose to see it in in uh, another way it's perhaps this can create something good that the ticket rates are so high to see a uh, uh, American band or whatever but uh, that can create a subgenre again mm-hmm. like punk rock or whatever but I think that people want to see rock and they want to uh, have fun and they don't want to pay that amount of money to see Megadeth. I only go to see Megadeth because of my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, Megadeth is, isn't that great live, but <laughs> I, to be honest, but right. uh, if that high ticket rate can produce something good, mm-hmm. perhaps something good can can came came out of it if you know what i mean it, yeah it no, I, yeah yeah i understand that being so, that sorry for the bad english but that's, no 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 but that that makes yeah. sense though being that they're you know the tickets are so high there's only so many people that are going to be able to afford that so the the counterbalance to that is having bands come around and play for a lot cheaper for what what you're saying that another scene will develop out of this uh, where where that would happen. The other thing too is how far is it to Stockholm from where you live? Uh, it's uh, uh, five hundred kilometers. Wow. Okay. That's so that's right. three hours. Ah, four. Hours, yeah, four hours by car. Okay. It's no. That's not a problem. It's normal for us, but. Uh, no, but but here's the thing: yeah. is it's the ticket plus travel, plus you know if you're going to stay somewhere while you're there, um, food. So it's all that adds up. So it's already two hundred for the tickets, but when it's all said and done, maybe you're paying six hundred between gas and and hotel and and food and everything else. If you if you want to pick up a t-shirt. They're, they're now 50, 50 euros and up, you know, this all adds, adds up, you know, it, it all, it, cause it's similar for me. I mean, most shows are, are, are four to five hours away. Uh, Dan just mentioned overkill overkill is playing, um, in a club that, used to get a lot of shows it's on the border with france so it's three hours away from me um yeah the last when i saw them here they were about an hour away 50 minutes to an hour which wasn't bad uh but you know with gas prices and everything else you you start totaling things up you know it's a hundred it's a hundred dollars to fill a uh a, a nine liter tank now so, uh, you know, th- these are things you, you have to consider. Um, another interesting thing that I heard during this podcast, which could be the wave of the future. This could be 
something along the lines of what Johan mentioned. So Ticketmaster and Live Nation currently sells or has a monopoly on 85% of all concert tickets worldwide. Okay. And even though they're now currently before Congress and their president is saying, oh, no, there's never been more competition than there is now. I'm not sure in what, because in, for ticket sales, there's, there's definitely no competition. It's definitely a, a monopoly. But here in Spain, with, um, with some of the bigger electronica festivals, you've had American hedge funds come in and buy a percentage of the festivals. Okay, so what they've done by doing this is they've excluded Ticketmaster. They've done ticketing themselves. And they've also branched out and, you know, by um, buying, into the, buying into the festivals, they've started festivals up in other parts of the world with the same name. Hey, look, we've got, for example, there's one called the Sonar Festival. Well, the Sonar Festival, a uh, famous electronica festival, which has been around for 30, 40 years. We're going to bring it to your country now. You can, you know, expect. It was much like in the 80s when the, the Monsters of Rock Festival toured throughout Europe. You had various Monsters of Rock. It would start out in Donington and then they would go other places. And you would know, hey, it's the Monsters of Rock name. So I know there's going to be a certain type of quality behind it. Um, Jeremy, you're the financial guy here, the, the, the economics guy. Could you see hedge funds coming in to download to Hellfest, to, to some of these bigger festivals, wanting to buy in? It, would this be the future that would kind of liberate us? From the you know from from the big ticket mongers and kind of bring prices down to make it more economical for the rest of us because they're um, comparing yeah. tickets and these yeah. festival tickets are on average they were saying they were like thirty to forty euros cheaper than other festivals. Yeah, I think if they do come in, they're gonna they're gonna be more competitive in their pricing because right. they're. They're not so well established in the market. Um, they want to attract customers um, <clears throat> and they want to uh, compete away the business. Um, and yes, I mean, at the moment, there's there's just not enough competition in the market. And this is one of the problems why the prices are so high. Um, it's not just the price of the ticket. As we know, there's all the add-ons that, that, that go on top of right. the ticket, the the admin fee, the uh, the booking fee, the uh, the mailing fee the um the fee for the guy who uh who brings the ticket uh the the fee yeah, yeah it goes on and on doesn't it i mean it's ridiculous they should just quote a price but we don't care how it's split split up that just right, quotes right. The, the the end price but yeah i mean the um the you know they've obviously spotted a that there's a there's a way to make money out of it and to to compete away um you know what is a virtual monopoly mm -hmm. by ticketmaster and and its other companies um and so yeah i mean it it could help the customer because um competition always does help the customer eventually but then mm -hmm. again it might not because um you know, they, they all might sort of, they, it depends how many firms get involved and how many individuals get involved in, in the, in the right. business. Um, 
you know, at the moment, you've got a very small amount of individuals. You might get one or two more that might come in, but, the, you know, then you get a sort of oligopoly situation um, and the prices can be, uh, can be kept high. Um, at the end of the day, I think the big, the big issue is that the paying public needs to stop going. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the only way that we can bring the prices down. If we all just abandon festivals, we abandon concerts, and the, these arenas are three quarters empty, mm-hmm. um, the prices will have to come down, and we will then buy the tickets at the cheaper price. Yeah. Um, but you can see why they have a high price as well, because a lot of the bands are complaining that it's the only way they make money, and that obviously the deals they cut are, are very poor. They are only getting a, a percentage mm-hmm. of you know the final the final amount um, because everybody's taking the cut elsewhere. Um, so, you know, what can you do? It's a, it's a kind of a no-win situation, really, on either side. Um, right. But without us, they don't exist. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the other thing is if a show gets canceled, you get refunded everything but those extra fees. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. Also, do you know, do you know what the fees are for a ticket that's a thousand dollars or a thousand euros. What? Four hundred dollars in oh, handling no. fees. Oh my god! <sighs> because then you're paying the envelope liquor, the guy that you know, just the ridiculous amount of people. What? How much different is the work that goes into an a thousand dollar ticket as opposed to one that's a hundred? I mean, is is a bird shitting a golden egg on top of the ticket or something? I mean, I I, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, sorry, I just wanted to come in very very quickly. And and as well as the ticket price, if you go to these arenas now, the cost of getting food and drink is is enormous. It's going up and up. I mean, in London now, uh, it's eight pound fifty for a beer. It's three pound fifty for a water. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. Anyway. Johan, okay. go ahead. So, so beers were already nine dollars before I moved to Spain at the at shows that I was going to. Um, parking for a lot of these arenas are over a hundred dollars right now for one parking space. So mm-hmm. all of it is really expensive. Water here when I went to Sonosphere. And we're going back to now, it's going to be 11 years. Water was already nine euros at the time. And it wasn't nowhere. It it was one of these uh, 500 milliliter bottles. Yeah. So uh, what they have done here, though, is that they've uh, they're forced to to uh, provide free water if the temperature is over a certain amount by law. They now have to give out free water. So, uh, Johan, uh, you, I was going to go yeah. to you before yeah. you had a few things. Go ahead. Uh, uh, no, uh, for us that don't uh, speak English uh, every day, this is perhaps a stupid question, but uh, hedge fund, mm-hmm. what is it? Mm. Jeremy, Expl- what is a hedge fund? Explain to uh, Johan. Simple. simple. They're just investors, basically, who have ah, a lot of money. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> investors. Yeah. 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 So, just a word. Just 
Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no problem. We're, we're here to, we're, again, quality music discussions. We're here to help on all levels. <laughs> to uh, further the discussion. Um, I, I think we would probably all agree that we hope that this changes. As a kid, I remember Ticketron being a company, Ticketmaster buying Ticketron, uh, then Live Nation coming along and buying Ticketmaster and seeing Ticketmaster come over to Europe and thinking, shit, they're going to fuck everything up here as well. Um, so, uh, Dan, go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Live Nation, I think, owns them in the United States. They own a lot of these venues. So mm-hmm. since Live Nation owns a venue, they get to use their service. There are alternatives. There's right. AXS, access tickets. Mm-hmm. And then locally, like, you know, in Hollywood for the clubs, they have like ticket web. So there are other venues or right. other alternates for ticket servicing, but they just don't choose to do it because I think the venue is under Live Nation and mm-hmm. well, that's where you get screwed. And But with Brad's wife making a lot of money this weekend, um, <laughs> why wouldn't they're going to charge the money? So as long as people are paying for them, they're going to do it. So Jeremy summed it up so you don't go, but you go and it what a, it's the Disneyland effect, man. That they the people keep going, so they're going to raise the rates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally, completely. And and I mean, I understand both sides of the argument because on the one hand, it's it's great and it's easy we don't go they don't make money they they lower the price but then at the same time i understand people that say shit i really want to go see live music and my only chance to see it is this concert or this festival or whatever so i don't think their side of the argument is wrong with that ultimately people have to do what they think is best for them and we could just hope that this somehow miraculously changes. But I said this when I saw that, um, that they were in Congress already. Right. Uh, my, my first thought was, well, I see that a lot of Congress people are going to be getting uh, a lot of free tickets uh, in the not too distant future. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's amazed me that. All these years, there's been so much corruption in Ticketmaster that goes back when I was standing in line at Music Plus and the Warehouse Records back in the old days on Sunday mornings to get my tickets and to be first in line. There was corruption back then with uh, the venues, the local outlet there. They would um, take those first couple of tickets, even though I was first in line, you'd hear the ping in the bottom of the bin. If you're old like me, you know what I'm talking about. And those tickets would go in that envelope. Bye-bye. And that would go to whoever's scalping. And, you know, this has just been going on for forever. And now they're hilariously looking into a Ticketmaster for what they're up to with fees and not able to control bots. We, we, as the consumer already know this. Yeah. It's laughable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, It, it, it took Taylor Swift. Just remember (laughs) that it, it took, uh, and you know what this is going to boil down to? Similar to the whole PMRC situation. It was probably some senator or congressperson's um, kids who got fucked out of getting tickets. So it became a big stink. And that's why they're looking into it. Not for any other reason. Because like you're saying, Dan, 
it's been like this for 40 years at least. Right? And and not only that, but I mean, if you look into tickets, you probably should look into the whole entire industry and seeing how corrupt it is from top to bottom, from labels to managers to this to that. And I'm not saying that about everyone, but we all know that there's bad apples everywhere. So here's here's to them actually making a difference and helping people out. We'll see. Yeah, that, that that's not what our government does, though. But anyway, we, we won't make this a political discussion. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we've only we've only got so much time. So uh, if not, we, this that would be a twenty uh, four hour telethon episode. But I got to say something about what Dan was saying uh, about the even the old days. Okay, nineteen eighty four, uh, Iron Maiden, um, they were coming here. Uh, we went. Spent the night there at the arena, got in line. They handed out random numbers, and that's how you were selected. So even if you were there all night, you could have got just as good a place as a guy that just walked up. I was number four, okay? Four to buy tickets at the arena. I'm at the arena. Uh, you could buy four max. I walk up there, best seats, third row. <laughs> there was only three people ahead of me that could buy four tickets. Your only 12 tickets were sold. And somehow the first two rows are gone. Where did they go? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to the, to the, uh, and, and I'll tell you how that works. No, I, I know how, I know how it works. Actually. I know that they get pulled because yeah. I have a buddy who, who knows somebody in the ticket agency and he's just like, Hey, you know, you ever want good seats? Let me know. He says, I, I can hit them up. And they usually got like the first couple of rows sitting aside. Well, and, and besides that, besides that before the tickets go out they usually go to okay so who's the biggest sponsor of the arena it's uh california's best bank so um uh, x amount of tickets go to them and then those tickets go are given the free to the largest uh, account holders and that's how they trickle everything down and then hey you're in luck you're gonna have great seats oh Great front row, no, almost. You're sixty rows back. Yeah. No. Um. All right. So next topic here is something that Mark Striegel called way back when. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that since he's on Ozzy's Boneyard. But um, Ozzy has retired from touring, and and I will preface this by saying that. Um. Uh, Mr. Striegel was speculating when he said this. And I think a lot of us were also speculating that given Ozzy's health, the operation, so on and so forth, that he was, he, he would eventually retire. I mean, obviously given his age and everything that they've been saying health wise, um, I wonder how much these shows that he's doing for B, for the BBC has also played into this. Maybe they've given them enough money that it's close to what the tour would net them. Uh, also, Jeremy, the tour was supposed to be what two years ago, three years ago? Um, yeah, it may have even been four, four years ago. I think I bought a ticket actually for the for the original show, uh, which I think was four years ago, um, and then I kept it for uh, two years. Then I sold it. Because I thought he, you know, they kept canceling it. I think he canceled it three or four times, uh, and then I was going to 
probably go uh, this year if it was on. I was mm-hmm. going to sort of repurchase my ticket, um, and then now we know it's off. Yeah. Um, feel sad about it in some ways because obviously it's the end of Aussie touring. But he said mm-hmm. that he he hasn't given given up the prospect of you know playing one off shows. Right. Um, but the guy's an old man; he's very unwell. Um, I don't think he will play live again. I, I think he's really, really struggling with his health. Uh, yeah. You know, a man of seventy-four who's had a life. Let's face it. Yeah. Um, and um, he he ain't going to get any better. <laughs> you know, we know that. Right. He's only he's only going to get worse from now on, not better. Yeah. 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 Um, and I also so. wonder if you know maybe there's something to do with insurance, where maybe hey, you can't push this off any further. We won't cover this beyond. 2023 so it's yeah yeah may well have have been that i mean i wouldn't uh rule out the fact he might even do one more album you know he he may because he he, obviously music's his life he he wants to continue in some some way Mm -hmm. um so he he may he may do that um he may do a one-off show possibly where he just sort of stands on a pole uh you know stuck to a pole um who wants to see that you know he's not singing he's not moving uh, you basically you're better off seeing a 3D uh, version of Aussie because <laughs> uh... well, you're 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 jumping ahead. We'll get to that in okay. a second. <laughs> okay. Um, so you know it, it, it's sad because you know we we all loved him in his heyday, but his heyday is long gone. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and okay, he's, he's still making a bit of music, which is fine if you like it. That's great. Uh, that's 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 okay. Um, but it's it's all over. Yeah. Dan, your thoughts on Ozzy retiring from the road? Well, you can treat your body a little better than that. So, I mean, Ozzy obviously knows what he's done over the years to himself and miraculously has done, lived this life so in a sort of well in this age and whatever. It's sad that somebody can get a disease and diet and cancer at 40-something and Ozzy can snort ants or do as much coke and whatever and get to where he's got, but... So it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, I guess. You know, some people can drink and get away with it, and others can't. But my thought, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a surprise. Um, Ozzy was great to see live kids. If you didn't get to, sorry you missed out. But um, I think the headline um, takes away from the other part of the little liner of the note is, you know, Ozzy could play at a venue, if health permitting, you know, 10 shows in a row at Wembley or 10 shows in a row at uh, Vegas. Um, you know, so there's that as long as he can. So it's no surprise. You know, that's something I didn't even think of, like one of these residencies where he doesn't have to travel. He could have all the doctors and everything that he needs in one spot. It's, and- it's can, I, can I just say that's never going to happen? He, he's just not well enough to do it. He, he might do a one-off show. I agree. You know, he might do a couple of shows in the same in the same area, and, and he has made that excuse that he can't travel. But I cannot see him doing ten shows, ten nights running, or even you know with a day off in between. He he is not a well man. He's very very old and very very frail. Um, it's just not going to happen. He can't. St- I mean, could you, uh, none of us here could stand on stage for two hours and do a concert. And this is a guy who's 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 ex- incredibly unwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sadly, you know Brad's his. <laughs> sadly, his his person, his handlers are going to say, you know, that there's going to be a report that Ozzy is in ill condition, and they're going to say, oh no, it's not true. And that's when you kind of know that you know shit's finally happened. Yeah, Antonio is saying that uh, Sharon just bought Ozzy an exoskeleton. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that word is okay, Antony. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brad, your take. Um, I don't know. I I just hope he's happy. That's all. I, that's all I can say. I mean, uh, I kind of, I kind of finished going to see Ozzy a while ago just because it wasn't that great. And I, I don't like to see guys up there not being able to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, it's tough for me to see that. If they're still able to get it done and have, you know, put on a good show, then I'm there. Okay. Johan, your take on Ozzy. <clears throat> I saw him at uh, Sweet Rock uh, 2018, and it was, you know, quite embarrassing to see so uh, that uh, he decided to stop touring is good for him good for us and uh, <laughs> yeah it's uh, not good for Ticketmaster no but <laughs> they can handle it <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so no, no it's it's good uh, I mean Aussie he don't have to prove anything to anyone anymore so uh that's uh one of the best ever so mm-hmm. uh it's better that he stays at home his last years of his life and uh you know take care of his family and his kids that's that's the best thing absolutely okay and ozzy obviously has had a much more successful career than, than Ronnie James Dio had Dio tried with the a hologram, but Sharon and Ozzy have enough money to take that to a whole different level. I would think uh, is Ozzy going to be the first big name to actually go out and do one of these big hologram things where they kick the door open for people. I mean, if it's not Ozzy, I mean, I would think it would be Kiss or it would be ACDC or someone on that level that just has got a huge fan base as is, has a lot of money to really throw at it and really do a big show out of it. Um, do you guys think the next step is going to be Ozzy the hologram? Dan, what do you think? If it's not Ozzy, it's, you know, it's McCartney. I, I, I haven't seen the hologram thing. Sure, it's a definite possibility. It's it's weird, though, that you had the connection from last week where Kiss has got this post-Kiss band plan and Ozzy's just on his own, so there is no replacement. I, I don't see a reason to do a hologram. Okay. Brad? I don't know the holograms are really going to take off because they've been around for how long now? And I guess they could get better, but they they still haven't moved the needle. I mean, people aren't lining up to see a hologram. And yeah. I, I haven't talked to anybody who's been to one of those shows who thought it was great. And so, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to spend more than ten dollars to go see a hologram. OK, Johan. Yeah, um, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> don't find it. Not interesting at all. No. Okay. Jeremy, what do you think? Ozzy hologram? Um, 
I think there's a there's room for these sort of hologram shows once they've passed away because I think it's the only way you're going to see them um, and they've gone and it's a bit of a legacy kind of thing. And also you've got to bear in mind that the ABBA show, which I don't think was a hologram, but it's a kind of, um, you know, that kind of show has been very, very successful in London, although it was extremely expensive to put on. I think, was it Benny or Bjorn? One of them was actually putting it on and um, they wanted to make sure they could get enough tickets because it was so expensive to do. But people I've spoken to have been to the show said it was absolutely fantastic. The problem with the Dio show, I think, was that um, they only played for a certain time period. You know, they only played certain amount of songs. So it wasn't, you know, the sort of show that you there people were expecting to pay for i think if you were going to play you know for a couple of hours and see them play along you know for the full couple of hours then it's worthwhile but i think it didn't turn out that way so you know they're gonna have to think about how they do it um and i think they can get it right i think if kiss did it it would be a big success in america certainly i think jeremy's got it (laughs) i think jeremy's got no i i think this is where the tribute bands come in and uh, well, that's okay. a, that's a whole nother. We'll have to say that for a whole nother show. Uh, I mean, there's some huge tribute bands out there that are touring and making big ass money. Right. And I think that's where they're going to take over. Um, there's this one tribute band called Foreigner. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Jeremy, to your point, the Dio uh, Dio Disciples played here with the. With the hologram, they played 50 minutes and it was, you know, Ripper Owens and Oni Logan and the hologram. And people were very pissed off that it was less than an hour. You know, if if it were, you know, because the singer, the singer doesn't have to rest because you're 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 flip flopping singers. And sure, there are certain songs where they trade vocals off and and whatnot but the the person that you know undergoes the most amount of punishment the singer can rest for a certain amount of time you know they can they can theoretically rest for 20 minutes during a show you know or half an hour or whatever so i think more people were upset with that than the actual technology um go ahead dan what Jeremy said about ABBA is correct. It did at least work, and their advertisers playing these lame uh, Grammy Awards this weekend. And they're not going to be, that's going to be the hologram, I, I assume. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, I think, I've said this all along, I think Kiss could pull it off, but it would have to be like a storytellers type thing where Gene or Paul come out and say, hey, you know, when we wrote this song, uh, this is, you know, the riff that we came up with. This is, you know, they explain the song a little. And then they show, like, they have, um, like, some classic footage, some classic black and white footage on, like, a, a big screen where they show them playing it in their heyday. Then they show part of the Love Gun tour. Then they show, you know, if they cut back and forth to different parts of their of their career and they set all the stuff up. I think people will go crazy for that. Now, uh, unfortunately I don't know if they plan on doing that. And I guess we'll see as, as all this stuff evolves, but. Have you, has anybody seen what Carl Palmer's doing with Emerson Lake and Palmer? 
where he's going out with a, a band, but yet he's playing with actual videos of Greg Lake and Keith Emerson. Right. I oh, didn't know. I oh. knew that he was doing some type of a tribute, yeah. but I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You should check it out. There's, there's stuff on YouTube. You can, you can see, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting concept because it's live musicians and then it's not live musicians, but it's video. I mean, he's got big screens up behind him. He's, he's in the center playing drums, playing live and playing along with everything. Right. And I, I, I would see that being more successful than, I mean, let's say Jason Bonham has been doing this for a long time with the, his Zeppelin thing. He has a band, but he's got also video screens of his dad and stuff going on. And I, I haven't seen it, so I can't really speak to, what it's like his Led Zeppelin experience thing, but it's, I, I see that being more successful because you have like real musicians playing. Right. And, and I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Uh, another topic here. See if we can cram this into uh, 10 minutes or so. <laughs> uh, the biggest trolls in the universe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has announced their list of uh, inductees for this year. I'm just going to focus on the three hard rock metal acts that uh, that are being nominated. Uh, Iron Maiden is being nominated for the second time. Uh, Rage Against Machine for the fifth time, I believe. And How are they not in? What's that? How are they not in? I thought Tom Morello was like one of the. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's kind of surprising. And maybe that's the reason why they're not in, because he doesn't want them to feel like no. they're in because he's part of the committee. OK. And and I also think if if you hear Morello talk, he's a huge Dio fan. He's a huge Iron Maiden fan, a huge Kiss fan. He inducted Kiss. Yeah. Stuff like that. So he's cognizant of a lot of what came before him. Um, and Soundgarden, I believe, has been nominated four times. But um, they're not letting all of these in this year. There's no way. It would make too much sense to do that. <laughs> um, uh, you could talk about which band merits, merits it more or not. I do think that each one of these bands was groundbreaking in their own way, important in their own way. I don't think that Rage or um, Soundgarden are as influential as Iron Maiden was, but I don't want to take away from the musicianship and stuff that they've done as well. Um, Dan, do we see Iron Maiden in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or either one of these two bands this year. I'm thinking that one of these three will go in. Which do you think goes in? I'm not a fan of the uh, Rock Roll Hall of Fame at all, but I would assume Rage would be in, even though Maiden's on tour and that's more important. And Maiden doesn't care about it. Okay. Brad? Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go wild on this and say that Iron Maiden gets in just because the... You know, every so often they throw out a cookie to the people who are all pissed off. And right. so I think they try to do that every year. It's like, well, the priest. OK, it was last year, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I was kind of like, well, let's let's get Iron Maiden in there and make all those people shut up. And, um, you know, and then we can put in a bunch of other bands that were really nobodies. And <laughs> well, the the president has said that they felt that uh, Judas Priest was a big success. 
and that they hope that um, that they've opened the door so bands like Iron Maiden do get in. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what whatever for whatever that's worth. Uh, Johan, do you think Iron Maiden gets in? I, I know that this isn't a big deal in Sweden at all. <laughs> We've uh, talked about this a bunch uh, of times. Sure, why not? Iron Man, that that would be the best band. But as you said, it's hey, it's not the it's not a thing at all here in Sweden. So we only uh, read about it in um, you know. Social media and so so uh, no, I I don't know. Maiden, of course. Okay. Hey, they put Russia in there. Oh, a yeah. long time of ago. Of course they did. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't even screw that up, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean Russia's. Uh, it's they always should be in uh, every, ah, you know, uh, every Russia's hall of Russia. fame. Yeah. Rush is rush. Regardless, regardless yeah. whether it's music, sport, yeah, yeah. or anything else. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, do we yeah. see Maiden get in? Um, yeah, I guess I made might get in, um, but I don't think anybody cares at all. Um, no one in the UK cares about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No one ever discusses it. Um, I don't know where it is. I don't know uh, who's in it. Um, I've heard of it. I hear every year that these bands are going in it, um, and I don't think it matters at all to their careers. I mainly don't care because nobody cares. Um, and um, if it closes, it closes. If it stays open, it stays open. I don't know what it is. Tell me what it is. The the, the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame is one of the biggest shams ever. I've been there twice and i've never gone in the one time that i went they were closing so they said oh we're closing in half an hour and i said okay well how much can i see in half an hour hardly anything you know the it'll take you a few hours to get through everything i'm like if i walk quickly will i be able to see anything well no how about you come back tomorrow i'm like yeah i'm kind of planning on just Passing through, not coming back to Cleveland tomorrow. The second time that we went, um, we we went we we went with ample time. Got to the ticket booth, and we said, "Okay, we want to buy two tickets to get in." They were like, "Okay, it's twenty dollars plus handling fees." I'm like, twenty dollars? Are you kidding me? So I was like, "Okay." Uh, I can see the the cars that you two use during uh, the Octung Baby and Zuropa tour hanging from the ceiling. I can see part of Pink Floyd's wall. I can see some of the Ramones um, uh, leather jackets. Uh, we went to the bathroom and I got to see Michael Anthony's uh, Jim Bean base. In the bathroom. Like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm not paying fucking $20 to, to go and see this stuff when I can go to a, I can go to a hard rock and see similar stuff and I don't have to pay shit for it, you know? So, so yeah, so we, we, we never ended up going in and it said, you know, no pictures or whatever. And we ended up taking pictures, but they have a, um, a record store there. 
Shit, I remember FYE and FYE they had there. FYE, when I lived in the States, was the most expensive record store you could go to. So CDs were on sale for $22. I remember Pink Floyd's The Wall was like $60. I'm like, seriously, I can buy this. I can buy this anywhere else for like 20, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, without looking for, for it at a, at a discount store. It's just unbelievable. So I, I think because eventually they're going to run out of bands to induct. Let's be honest. Um, sure. Rage Against Machine, Soundgarden. You've got bands like that, but Pearl Jam is already in. Nirvana's in. They've never nominated Alice in Chains. They've never nominated Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Poison, Motorhead, uh, Boston. There's a there's like 40 to 50 rock related bands that should be in that aren't or haven't been nominated. Stuff along those lines. Um yeah, it amazes me that, again, I think this gets more notoriety because of the fact that they troll everyone every year more than anything else. And obviously, no one knows about it here. No one knows about it in the UK or, or Sweden. And we're talking about, you know, the UK and Sweden probably being two of the biggest countries when it comes to music and entertainment in general. So if, if it, doesn't mean shit there then should it mean anything anywhere so um real quickly before i switch over to uh mr sinzak who i see who is already waiting but uh either his camera isn't on or he's having the same difficulties as uh, anthony mackey um did it, did anyone get to hear the new la guns track jeremy you yep. uh you shared the link. Brad got to hear it. Uh, Jeremy, your thoughts on the track? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it had a bit of a Led Zeppelin vibe to it. Uh, yeah. The riff sounded very Zeppelin-y. Uh, I can't say I'm a massive fan of LA Guns, really. Or, or you know, I like some of their stuff in the past, but not everything. But I really like this, so I thought it was good. Um, but obviously, their albums can be quite mixed. So we'll we'll wait and see whether it's a uh, you know um, indicative of the album or whether it's just you know one of the tracks on it. Uh, it could be quite a mixed album. Yeah. Uh, Brad, what did you think? Oh, that was good. Yeah. And I'm not a big LA Guns guy either. Although recently I've listened to more of them uh, getting more up to speed. They do have a lot of decent music. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear the rest of the album. Okay. Brilliant. Dan, did you get to hear the track? The Heavy Metal Hall of Fame was the thing here in California. Somebody created, you can look into that. And Twisted Sister reunited and played last week, and that didn't get any airplay. Screw the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, I did not hear the LA Guns track and didn't know. I will look it up. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Johan, did you get to hear the track? And no. Okay. I I will say that I have been a fan since the first album. I would put that first album up against Appetite for Destruction, Van Halen 1. And almost anything you can throw at me from the uh, from the L.A. strip. So to me, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. And I think it's a, it's a seriously overlooked album. 
so the day that we do a a countdown of top um, Sunset Strip bands or albums from that era, uh, that will be high on my list. So I'm going to listen to that album. Man, I, how can I how can I not after that ringing endorsement? The the, the self titled debut to me is flawless beginning to end. I, I want to hear that podcast. I will, well, that, that will be, uh, we'll have to do that soon because we've done thrash. We've done, um, and we, we got to look at other genres. So I think that will be a good one to do. We did, we did new wave of British heavy metal. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll probably do UK bands in general at one point as well. To make it not as confusing for people. <laughs> Sounds good. So there's there's plenty of good stuff on the horizon. Need to do top Swedish bands as well sometime. Top Swedish band. That's another yeah. thing that I've thought of as well. Yes. Let's do it. So hopefully sometime this year. to the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to SignalsFromMars.com for more information. This concludes our show. 